Good morning, church. You got the old dog this morning. Uh, I'd like to come out and hug every one of you, but I, I've been feeling a little nasty the last few days, so I'm not going to hug all of you today, but we're going to have a good time. It's the end, it's the end of another year, and uh, we look back a bit. Boy, memory lane's getting longer, isn't it, for some of us? And uh, we're looking to a new year. I'm going back into the archives. A uh, handful of you that were around the church about 1984 uh, uh, might remember this message. I take it out of Romans chapter 3, verse 10. I don't believe in changing the Word of God. You know that, right? The Word of God is God's Word, and we don't want to tamper with it. But we can play around a little bit, okay? <laughs> That's what I'm going to do today. Uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 10 you can find it. There we go. Actually, I'm finding the light. This is a good spot I can see here, you know. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. Let's read it out loud together, please. As it is written, there is none cool. No, not one. How many of you remember this message? There's none cool, no, not one. Raise your hands all over the place. There in the back, I got my groupies back here, okay? I've been preaching this at camps um, over the years. We're going to study the history of coolness this morning. Believe me, we're coming around with some fun things. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none cool, no, not one. Let me tell you, I tried hard, okay? Tried really, really hard. Uh, getting, being cool can get you into a lot of trouble. And uh, I remember as, as a child, uh, they were learning. My parents smoked. My dad, four packs of cigarettes a day for 50 years. And uh, he, he lived to be 81. <laughs> but but uh, we, we, they found out about cigarettes that they were carcinogens and could cause cancer and, you know, a lot of other heart issues. And, and so I'm a little boy. My parents chain smoke, and it freaked me out because I love them. I don't want them to die. And... And, uh, and uh, I remember they showed a, a documentary on TV about a woman that had, like, uh, lip cancer and had, like, cut her lips off. And my mama, when she would tuck us in at bed at night, she, she could give 75 kisses in three seconds, you know, all over your face and stuff. And, and, and so I'm thinking, if my mom was doing that and she has no lips, this would be horrible, you know. Mom, stop! Stop smoking! Please! Please stop smoking! I love you! Stop smoking! And, and thank God they did. Uh, my dad many years later, um, but, I, I, you know, I, I will never smoke a cigarette because they're bad for you, and then, you know, I'm like 13 in our little town, and we like hang out over town, the school's here, half a block up, a couple little restaurants, and one street light, we're hanging out downtown, you know what I'm saying, so we're, hey, hey, Duke, you want to smoke, man? And inside, I'm screaming, no! But I'm, yeah, man, sure. So I take that thing. I'm trying to be what? I'm trying to be cool. So I take it, and, and I, I light it, and I pop. I don't inhale. Me and Bill Clinton, we don't inhale, right? No inhale. And they, they notice, so they start mocking me. Oh, yeah, big, you know, they start, you got you to gotta inhale, dude. So I made the big mistake and inhaled. 
it, man? Oh, it's awesome. I love it, man. <laughs> the things we do to try to be cool. You know, I lived in northern Ohio. The winters are not quite as cold as here, but fairly close. And if you were cool, you did not button your coat. That thing hangs open. And there was a few guys that were like really, really cool who didn't even wear a coat. I start thinking, maybe, maybe they're not so cool. Maybe they're just like really cold. You know, their lips are turning blue. But you're like so cool. Like, I, think, I think they're idiots. There's a reason why the Bible says God sits in heaven and laughs. The things people do to try to be cool is amazing. And then the Beatles came to America, the coolest people in the world, had their long hair touched their ears. They look like girls. Guess what? About six months later, I got a Beatles, Beatles cut. Amen? And, so, and then we had the bangs that would come down, and then you would, you know, you would try to flip them up. And there were these, and you'd be driving, a guy would be driving down the basketball court, flipping his hair. It's dangerous. Guy ran right into the wall, didn't see it. It's, but it's like really cool though, right? Dude. And, and this guy's, they got their hair to like, it would like, instead of flipping up, it would like curl up. Like really long. And flip, it would like curl up. And I was so jealous of those guys. And then I found out later, they cheated. They had sisters with curling irons and they cheated. That is not fair. But they would do it to be cool. It's amazing the things people do to be cool. And uh, a lot of it's just innocence and fun. You know, I remember uh, jeans were outlawed in our school. We weren't allowed to wear jeans. Are you kidding me? They're farmer pants. You can't wear those in school. Levi 501s. Woo, baby. Broke all the rules. Came to church. Came, came to school in a pair of jeans. I was so cool. Remember how tight we used to wear the jeans? So tight. And, you know, God made hair follicles on my legs. And, and, the, and the hairs want to, like, come out, right? And then you put those kind of thick, heavy, tight jeans, like, painted on. And, and, the, and the hairs couldn't come out like they wanted to. So they kind of got stuffed back in. And they kind of got infected. And you had, like, zits all over your legs. And it hurt really bad when you walked. You kind of walked like this. You know, oh, it's so painful. But people would look at you and say, you are so cool. I'm thinking, no, I'm so stupid. Who gets to choose what is cool and what isn't? I'll, I'll choose. It's amazing the things people do to be cool. And then my wife, she's an artist. She makes me go to all these art museums all over the world. I don't know. I've been to the Louvre, and they're all the same to me, you know. But I've been, I've been there. And then there's this, this era. I don't know. It was the, what was the one before the Elizabethan era where everybody was, like, really fat and naked, and they just lay there eating yeah, all, you've been there, some of you, you know what I'm saying, this is true. All these really fat people, naked, <laughs> sitting around, and, and people call that art. I think, it's, I, I think it's like maybe pornography, I don't know. I don't like to see that. That, that, boo. But why were, why were they doing that? They were trying to be cool. And then I think it was the Elizabethan area to follow that, and then the women, and then Skinny was in. And women would cheat. They would wear corsets. I was telling this story in, in Bolivia around a campfire with 250 teenagers. And some of you know uh, 
Lydia Marignon, she was interpreting for me, and she knows this story. And so I'm, I'm illustrating the thing, the, the corset things, and the, the, how many of you, young people, how many of the young people do not know what corsets are? Raise your hands. You do not know it, but yeah, okay, I didn't either, okay? I'm just a little kid playing baseball, and I'm learning all this stuff. Of course, it's like this leather thing with straps and ropes. They put it around their middle, and they get one servant to put their foot here and pull this way, pulling south, another one on the other side, pulling the rope north, and it sucks it in, and, and all of a sudden, your, your lungs are supposed to be up here. It gets squished down here, and your kidneys are back here. It gets squished up here, and your stomach's like all over, and all of a sudden, they're little... They're little 30-inch waist is down to like 16-inch waist, and it's, it's really weird, and it's dangerous, and it's painful, and they would get it all sucked in. They couldn't even breathe. They could barely walk. People say, oh, you are so cool. I think that is so stupid. God sits in heaven and laughs. Sometimes I think he laughs through the tears, and some of the stuff is kind of foolish and kind of silly. It's not that big of a deal, but then, you know, I remember the drug culture came through. Begin to learn some things about drugs. If I won't ever do drugs, I'm going to be an athlete. <laughs> Scholarship wasn't in the cards for me. <laughs> I'll be an athlete. That wasn't working out so well either. <laughs> and um, the drug culture comes, we learn a little bit about it. I remember it was a Friday night, uh, ninth grade, October, been about 1969. I was at the YMCA dance, and this guy tried to sell me a joint in the bathroom. I beat him up. He deserved to be beat up. He was trying to sell a joint at, at, at a YMC dance. And so I beat him up. That was Friday night. Like the next week at school, like Wednesday, Debbie Bowser, I'm ninth grade, she's 11th grade, and she's hot. Just saying. Just saying. Debbie Bowser goes, hey, Duke, want to smoke a joint with me? Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea what I was getting into. Why did I do that? It's because everything I believed and everything I stood for, I just wanted to be cool. And boy, that was the start of a, kind of a bad season in my life. And it kind of spouted out of control. A lot of stuff's innocent, but a lot of it leads to some things. A little leaven, leaven is the whole lump, the Bible says. And the amazing things people do to try to be cool. And I'm thinking, who gets to choose what is or what isn't, isn't cool? I, I think maybe each of us should choose that. I don't want to let, you know, uh, I, back in my day, I, I, when I was like in ninth grade, I would have said John Lennon is the coolest guy in the whole world. He was, fam he was famous, he was popular, had tons of money. He'd do a concert and women would take off parts of their clothes and throw them at, at the Beatles and all that, all that stuff going on. They were on top of that world. They had everything money could buy, fame, fortune, sex, drugs, rock and roll, and the coolest guy in the whole world. A lot of people would have voted for. They can't get along with each other. Their egos are too big. And they break up, and I was really mad at Yoko Ono because I blamed her. Did not like her. And John Lennon writes his first album by himself, solo, Imagine. One of the most beautiful melodies and one of the most ungodly songs ever written. Imagine there's no heaven. That's so sad. I don't even want to imagine. 
there's no heaven. And so here we have the coolest guy in the world, got everything the world offers us. Remember what Jesus said, what shall profit man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And John Lennon writes on the back a song called All I Want Is Some Truth. I've been to to 72nd Street DeSoto Hotel, you know, I've been down there and hung off a little bit, you know, where he was killed. I didn't worship John Lennon. I loved him. I felt sorry for him. He had it all, but on the back of his first solo album, he cries out in that song, all I want is some truth. All I want is some truth. And it just, it just, it just grew louder and louder. All I want is some truth. And he's screaming, all I want is some truth. And then it fades. All I want is some truth. All I want is some truth. All I want is some truth. If we could call John Lennon back from the dead. I've heard some stories that maybe he came to Christ. I sure hope so. I like to hang out with him. I'm just saying. Wouldn't it be great? But he sure wasn't following Christ. He said we're more popular than, the, than Jesus. I've heard the context. I've heard his... He said it, man. He said, we're more popular than Jesus. God is not mocked. What's for man so that shall he also reap? Isn't it amazing? The one that said, we're more popular than Jesus is the one that dies a premature death. Kind of interesting, isn't it? I don't know. But I know he was a really cool guy. And he, if we could call him back from the dead today, you know what John Lennon, John Lennon would tell us? Truth is cool. Thy word is truth. This is the coolest book that has ever been assembled. Do you notice I said assembled? It wasn't just written. It was written by God. 66 books all in one book. 45 human authors, three different languages, three different continents over a period of almost 2,000 years. It's the word of God. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. See, in reality, John Lennon wasn't, and the Beatles weren't the coolest people in the world. He kind of acknowledged that, didn't he, when he said, we are more popular than Jesus? It's interesting, isn't that? Doesn't that make you think a little bit? He was thinking about that. Jesus is the coolest person that ever lived. And I think the angels, the seraphims in heaven would not probably use the word cool. I think the word they would use would be holy, holy, holy. Holiness is really cool. Truth is cool. What is your relationship with the Bible? Just pick it up and read a little bit every day. You know, I started out reading the Bible. I uh, got saved. I started reading the Bible every day. I'd, I'd read like a half a chapter every day for about a week. Then I found it wasn't that tough. I read a whole chapter. And then I read two chapters a day. And I found out if I read three and a half chapters a day or four chapters a day, I can read through, all the way through the Bible in about 11 months, four chapters a day. So I started reading through the Bible, four chapters. And I got to Bible college, and I read through the Bible every year. I would go to Bible college and um, um, I had to read uh, the whole Old Testament every semester. So I wound up reading the Bible twice a year, going through Bible college. I mean, I did that for many years. 
Then they ran to Joe Burris. Many of our men know Joe Burris from our, some of our men's retreats. He spoke at Victory Baptist Church um, in um, Henrietta, New York, Rochester area. Joe was reading through the Bible every month. I wish I never heard him say that because it's haunted me ever since I heard him say that. I read through the Bible every month, and you could really tell when he preached. He was amazing. And so over the years, I would track my Bible reading. So I started reading through the Bible four times a year and did that for many years. And, and the date I start, the date I finish, and mark it down. And then I got up close to 100. So I started going a little bit faster and started reading through six, six times a year. And the last, the last three months, I'm trying to do the Joe Burris thing for at least a year. And I'm four months in reading through the Bible every month. And I hope to do it for the whole year. I don't know. But here's what I'm saying. It's not that hard. You, can, you don't have to read the Bible and just like just study every word and try to pronounce every Hebrew name. Just, just saturate your mind with the Word of God. So maybe this is a little challenge as we face a new year. I'm going to go a little bit deeper in the Scriptures. I'm going to get a little bit crazy. And when I, when I read through the, some of the chapters of the Bible, the leprosy chapters in Leviticus, you know, I kind of speed, through, speed read through some of those things. There's some really important things that you see when you panoramically read the Scriptures that you don't see. Uh, when you just study, uh, you, you see the priest, the priest, you need a priest. <laughs> Jesus is our priest, you know. Quarantine, quarantine, quarantine. And, you know, we need to separate ourselves from sin and, and, and sin, sin, sinful situations. And so there's principles that you see by reading the Word of God in a different way at a different speed. So just something to think about. What is your relationship with the Lord Jesus? Uh, what, is your, what is your prayer life? What is your walk with God? Uh, you know, I would challenge uh, us, many of you, to write a love letter to Jesus at least every week next year. A prayer, a prayer of praise. Just write it out. And then, uh, then the next week when you're ready to, read, or to write a new love letter to Jesus, write, read your last love letter to Jesus and write him another love letter. I know when Joel and I were apart and I was away in school, if she wrote me a love letter every day, it wasn't enough. <laughs> I like that. And God inhabits the praise of his people. And so as you look into a new year, you should really pray about being a great Bible reader, a, ba a great praiser, a great lover of the Lord Jesus. To really develop your affection with the Lord Jesus and write him love letters. Write out your prayers. What is cool? John Leonard would say truth is cool. And I sure hope he landed there. Look at all the foolish things people do to try to be cool. And it starts out really early in life. My, my daughter Leah was daddy's little girl. Some of you remember way back when. And she, he, her and I were really tight, very, very close. Everywhere she went, I was her security blanket, holds daddy's hand. You know, she wasn't scared of nothing when daddy's holding her hand. And so her first day at school, I'm not going to drop her off at school. I'm, or I'm not going to put her on the bus. I'm going to take her. I'm going to walk her in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to meet the teachers, you know. And so I'm taking her to school. I get out. We're walking, uh, walking in school. She's got my hand. And she's like five and a half years old. And she looks over. She sees the coolest little dude she'd ever seen in her life. Boom! She doesn't want to hold daddy's hand anymore. That is not cool. It starts out young. It starts out so young that things people do to try to be cool. Truth is very cool. That word is truth. Love is cool. I remember as a child, my mama was very affectionate. Um, 
things weren't very well good in her marriage, and so I think she was added affection towards us kids. She's a wonderful woman, and uh, she tucked us in bed at night. We were little boys, little Dookie, Dougie, and Danny, three through little beds in, in a row in our room, and um, she would pray with each of us. Uh, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray to her, Lord, my soul to keep. If I should die, I just, that prayer used to scare me. I don't want to pray that prayer. I don't want to die, Mom. I don't want to die. And then I got to be a big boy, and she taught me a, a big boy prayer, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So I was the big guy, you know, praying the Our Father prayer. And so she would uh, pray with us, and then she would kiss us up, you know, the 75 kisses in three seconds all over your face, wet ears, eyes, everything got kissed. But that was my mom, and we loved her. And then she'd stand at the door. This, this took, you know, this took about seven or eight minutes, you know, a couple minutes, a couple minutes. And she'd stand at the door, turn off the light, and she'd stand at the door and say, Duke, I love you. And I'd say, I love you too, Mama. Doug, I love you. I love you too, Mama. Danny, I love you. I love you too, Mama. That was just every day, every day, every day. Then I get to be about 12, 12 and a half. She does it. Stand at the door, Duke, I love you. Yeah, I know. You always say that. Yep. I know. That's cool. Go ahead and love me. Coolness was taking me away from love. Trying to be cool can make us really stupid, make us really hard. And for years, I was so cool, I could not say, I love you to anybody in my family. That ain't cool. See, I think it's Satan that sets the cool agenda. Amen? He determines what isn't cool. If God says love is cool, then Satan says love ain't cool. And that used to bother me. I used to hear kids say to their parents, I love you. And that there was a wall and I couldn't say that. It's crazy. Uh, I got saved June 18, 1972. I went to Sunday night service. I gave an invitation. I got on my knees. I asked Jesus Christ to forgive me my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Change me. I'm a mess. And he did. Now Christ is inside of me. Christ is in me. And God is love. Amen. So I'm at church, Sunday night. The, the sermon's going on. And the sermon was on showing your love. I was so convicted. So last Sunday night, I went forward and got on my knees to get saved. So I went forward again and got on my knees and asked God enough courage to get over uh, the world's type of coolness and become biblically cool and, and tell my mom I love her. I was so under conviction. I, I went to the altar and I prayed. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do what that guy preached. I'm going to show my mom. I'm going to go home and tell my mom I love her. Because mom and dad were right at the verge of divorce. My mom wasn't a drinker, but she was drinking a couple glasses of wine every night just to go to knock herself out. She'd be sitting in her chair drinking her wine. And, um, and I know her life was miserable. And, and I was determined. I'm going to come in, and I'm going to go up to my mama, and I'm going to get in her face, and I'm going to say, I love you. And I went in, and I went right up to her, and I went right by her. I didn't have the guts. I went to my room. I felt like a jerk. 
I felt, oh, what a wimp. You're a mess. You've got a beautiful mama out there. You haven't said you love her in, in like seven years. It's time, dude. And I, I got it. Yes. Give me strength, Lord. So I just rope open the door. I go right up to right up to her. I got it in her face. You're my mama right now, Missy. Mom, I love you. I felt like a million dollars. I am like the coolest guy in the whole world now. And my mom's like, okay. She was shocked. She said, I, I love you too. And I went back to my room. I'm like, yeah, man, I am the man. I rock. I'm awesome. And the door shut. I sit down on my bed and I got my Bible out. I'm going to read a whole chapter in the Bible, you know. And a little tap at the door. That's my mom. She opens the door. And she said, thank you. I love you too. She held up her glass of wine. She goes, I won't be needing this tonight. And she went around. The bathroom was right behind my door. She just kind of ceremoniously, ceremonially poured the wine into the toilet. That was a good night, wasn't it? Love is cool. Love is so very, very cool. And when the Lord begins to work on our hearts, we start loving other people more than ourselves. We don't live for ourselves. We live for those that we love. Love is very cool. Truth is very cool. What are your love plans for next year? I just don't, I don't have any plans. Just kind of, you don't have any plans? You should plan out some things. You should plan out some dates with your mate. You should plan out some events with your kids and grandkids. Love is really cool. And my last little thought for the day comes from 1 Corinthians 15, 58. For as much as we know that our labors in the Lord are not in vain. Serving God is cool. Love this story. Didn't love it when it happened. Seventh grade track team. Now, we were, my dad was in the liquor business. Sports were, were our God, little G. We didn't know Jesus. We didn't know the scriptures. There was no, God was not in our family. You have substitutes. When you don't really have God, you make substitutes. Our substitute was sports. And so every sport, I'm in. I play baseball, I play basketball, I play football, I run track, I have no business being on the track team. I'm not fast, I'm not strong, I, I, I can't jump high, I'm, I, I can't throw things, heavy things far, I'm just not a track guy. But I'm on the track team because sports rule and I'm awesome and I'm on the track team. Pole vaulting, that's for really crazy people, I ain't going to try that, amen. You have to be insane to pole vault. I'm on the track team. And I'm working just as hard as the guys that are really good. I work really hard. And, you know, they're, they're scoring points, and they're getting first place, second place, third. And, see, the, at the end of the season, I don't really care about getting points. I know that's not a reality and being good. I just want to stand in front of the, the whole school on, on uh, awards day. Remember that? They, do they still have that? They have the whole school come in, and they would call your name. Duke Herget, Track. Letterman, wow, I walk in front of the whole school. Give it up for Duke. That's what, I, that's what I was on the track team for. 
I wanted to be seen of men. I wanted to be cool. I wanted people to think I'm awesome. They don't know. They, nobody goes to the, the events. Nobody knows that you're a scrub. That's, that's what they called me. And there's a, a number of us on the team that had no business being on the team. They called us scrubs. They, nobody knows at the school I'm a scrub. They just hear the name Duke Kerrigan, track letter. Yeah, I could get a thousand points. Or they don't know. But in order to get your letter, you had to get one point. Five points in those days for first place, three points for second, one point for third. All you got to do is get one point for the whole year, Letterman. I can do this. It's like three quarters of the way through the track season. I got nothing. But I know we're playing Mapleton Mounties. They're, they were really bad. They only had one guy show up in the 800 half, half mile race, 880 half mile race. And when you're only this tall, a half mile is a long way. Amen? And so they would put us scrubs in the 880, the half mile. It was the longest thing we did in those days at that level, seventh grade. So we would always have four guys run. We had one really fast guy, and we had like three scrubs. I'm one of the scrubs. And in practice, I beat these scrubs on my team, not always, but half the time. Today, I'm going to beat them. Because they got a fast guy, five points. We got a fast guy, first, second place. That's, that's, now, there's only three other guys. And I'm one of them. And they're, they're, my competition are scrubs. I am so pumped. I am so psyched. I, the gun goes off and I'm taking off and oh no. I don't know what you call it, but my legs got like so heavy. I felt like I couldn't lift them. It was terrible. I get a pain in my side. I can't breathe. And the scrubs are like dusting me, man. I, and my hopes are fading, but I'm not going to give up, man. I'm not going to give up. And so I just pick them up and put them down. And the pain started easing. About three quarters away, the pain started easing. The went out of my, and the legs got light, and I started gaining on these guys. And there's like four people watching this event, okay? Four. Obligated mothers. They don't know. They don't care, but they're good moms. They are there. This is going on. And this little kid, Dookie Herger, comes running down, and it's like 100 yards to go, and he's about 30 yards back, and he is, he is he's putting them, pitting them up and putting them down. He is flying and for him. He's flying, and he catches the guy. He catches the other scrubs. He gets third place. It was a celebration. You thought he won the gold medal in the Olympic Games. I was so pumped. It was exciting. I can see it now. Duke Hergen Letterman. Give it up for Duke. I look over and see my coach, Mr. Mikowski. He wasn't celebrating. I could feel cold waters coming on my sparks of enthusiasm. And uh, I knew something was up. I'm like, yo, Mr. Mikowski. It's amazing. I forgave him. <laughs> Became close friends. He just died, went to be with the Lord. He got saved many years later. And his widow and I are great friends. She lives in Ohio. So I said, Mr. Mikowski, what's up? He's like, well, he was trying to be very tender and nice. Well, you know, he said, oh, officially, I heard that word official. And I said, oh, no. Officially, I'm only allowed to enter into th each race three, uh, three participants. And he said, so every week or every meet, I ran you three guys in 880. It was Mark, me, and some other guy, I think Blake Spade. And we, he goes, I have to run three, and then I run one of you scratch. Scratch? 
official. And he goes, today was your day of running scratch. I did the math. I was not happy. I hate you. I hate track. I hate athletics. I hate the world. I, am at, I quit the team. It wasn't much of a loss for the team. I was so humiliated. No, Duke Hergett, Letterman. But I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. It hurt me so bad. I was so crushed. There's an old song. I think it might be a Gaither tune. Only one life and soon will be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. For as much as we know, for as much as we know that our labors in the Lord are not in vain. Jesus says, you give a cup of water in the name of a prophet, what do you receive? Prophet's reward. Well, that's nothing. It might be nothing in the eyes of the world, but it's everything in the eyes of God. Back in the days, we had songbooks. I used to get so mad, people would put songbooks on the ground. <gasps> Thank God for the screen. I don't have to be running around here mad all the time anymore. <clears throat> and the Holy Spirit would say, well, if you love Jesus, why don't you pick that song back up and put it where it belongs? Okay, I love you, Jesus. Just little things, little acts of kindness, little selfless acts that we do to bless others. Love is cool. Truth is cool. Serving God really cool. Remember what Jesus said? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. But lay up treasures in heaven where rust and moth don't corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. Serving God is so cool. And the Father, the Bible says, he sits in heaven <laughs> And his eyes go to and fro upon the earth. Just think of what he sees. Just think of what he sees um, <clears throat> in the back rooms in Washington, D.C., the deals and, and the fraud and all. I just heard Harry Truman said, when a poor man enters politics and soon becomes rich, he's a, he's a thief. <clears throat> um, the father sees all of that. And it's all going to be accounted for one day. I kind of long for some heads to roll. <laughs> and then I realized, but by the grace of God, it would be my head that would roll. And so lost people do lost things, don't they? And the eyes of the Lord go to and fro upon the earth, and he sees all this. And then he looks down, and he sees us. Kind of showing up to help move somebody because they can't afford a big truck and a moving team. So we just band together, and brothers in Christ, and we help move one another. 
We drop off food and we do little things for one another. And for those that don't know the Lord, we do things as well. That's really cool. And so, if Jesus could look down, and he can, and he does, and he sees us ready to launch into what might be our final year. This could be Some of us here won't be alive next year. That's morbid. It's true. Be you ready for such an hour as you think not. Amen? Not everybody in this room is going to live through this next year. So my admonition to you is this. Be cool. Be biblical cool. Be God cool. The coolest book in the world is the Bible. The coolest place in the world is church. The coolest people in the world are servants of the Most High. And I'm not just talking about pastors and and, and speakers and singers and talented people. Is Brad Bartlett here this morning? He was here the other night. Brad stood in those back of those doors and greeted for what, 172 years, was it? <laughs> and if you were having a bad day, you ran into Brad, you, you would have a good day, wouldn't you? And we got guys doing it now. Skip, you've been blessing me for years and years. The candy man. How many of you not get candy from back there? <laughs> we know where to go to get the candy, right? My, my, he's going to kill me. I'm diabetic, but I'm going to die happy. Amen? <laughs> How did you die? Skips candy at church. <laughs> cool. That's a pretty cool way to die, isn't it? Be cool. Dive into the scriptures this year. Saturate yourself. Go deeper. Take a step forward. Be a little bit more radical. Write love letters to Jesus. Look around the, the family of God and where can you fit in and need and needs and, sh and serve. Live treasures in heaven. The days are short. Christ is coming. And he'll reward us for everything we do. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Final prayer. Worship team will come. Boy, I sure enjoyed those kids. Aren't they awesome? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I'm going to have the final prayer. Somebody here and say, Pastor Duke, in your final prayer, I'm, uh, I've been kind of pondering things and I've been listening to the gospel. I'm, I'm not really a church guy or church girl, but I've, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking. I've been invited out. I've been praying about things. I've been trying to connect the dots. And you said your day of, of coming to Christ is June 18th, 1970 today. 1972, today would be a good day for you to come to Christ. Anybody here and say, Pastor Duke, I've never received Christ as my personal Savior. I've never asked him to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. That's how it begins. It's really simple. Except he becomes a little child. You'll miss it. Anybody say, Pastor Duke, I am so ready. I need forgiven. I need a new start. I need help. And I'm just going to let go and let God tell you right there in your seat. Would you raise your hand? I'll see it. I'll lead you in a prayer of commitment. I've not done that, but I'm ready today. Hold it up real high so I can see it. I've not done that but I'm ready. Father, thank you for this amazing church, Lord, through the years, and you've done amazing things, and we want to be a cool church centered on the Word of God, following closely with passion the Lord Jesus.
Thank you for Pastor Matt and the gifts you've given him, his beautiful family, and Tyler. Bless them while they're away. Thank you for our elders, Lord. What a what a wonderful team of elders you've assembled here. Thank you for our outreaches into the jail, Lord, into the other, other areas of the community. And we pray that uh, we ain't seen nothing yet. We believe you have great things up your sleeve for us personally and for our church this year. And we want to just be doing the basics. We want to be cool in your eyes, Lord. We don't want the devil determining what is or wasn't isn't cool. Let us, uh, let us just be sold out to you on fire, serving you with all of our heart. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.